0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah podcast with Benedict. So we've said before that the Mishnah of Megillah is a bit like a, a operating manual for um, for a synagogue for the Beit Knesset, parallel to the Mishnah of Shkalim, which is really an operating manual for the temple. So we're in Galut, we need a, we need a mirror image of Mishnah Galim. We need one for the synagogue, and it's here in Mishnam Megillah, I guess, because the Megillah is, is given in Galut. So the, the festival of Purim symbolizes in some way our, our existence in Galut. So we've learned about Torah reading. We've learned about various activities that require a minyan, require 10 people in order to carry them out. And now we're going to learn a little bit more about um, things that aren't done in the shul. And we're going to begin with a priest whose hands are unusual. But then we're going to go on to um, people who don't belong in other ways, people who don't belong because they're heretics or outsiders. And of course, it's still a problem. I, I mean, if anyone who's run a shul, right, these are classic problems today. But the, the the Mishnah begins, a priest whose hands are deformed or who have blemishes shouldn't lift up his hands. That is to say, shouldn't lift up his hands to bless the people. And the Gemara makes clear, by the way, that this refers to someone with um, blemishes on his feet as well, not just on his hands. Hmm. Rabbi Yudalmer, af mishayu istis. Rabbi says, someone whose hands are covered with woad. Um, wo, the, the, woad is a. There's a Greek. Um, it istis is a plant that's actually known in Greek, and it it's woad in Hebrew, and it's uh, it's blue color. It's actually referred to in early English history that apparently the British tribes used to paint themselves with blue woad before going out into battle. So it's well known kind of around the time of the Mishnah. I mean, this was the time when the British tribes would go out to battle against the Romans. So we are in the time of the Mishnah. So it's known as a kind of something that you'd color yourself blue with in the time of the Mishnah. So someone whose hands are colored with woad, probably because he's a dyer and he's working with this stuff. And similarly, madder. Madder is another plant that is red rather than blue. But again, if you're a dyer, you're working with these colors, you're going to get this stuff on your hands. And Rabbi Yudar says, He shouldn't lift up his hands. Because the congregation will look at him. Now, why the congregation should look at him why that's a problem is not clear but the Baatanura tries to make it tries to explain rasha in um she hakonim rasha in the the aren't allowed to go up in sandals to the duchan the duchan is the platform in the front of the synagogue where the priests used to stand when they gave the bracha when they blessed the people when the Barth is mentioning going up in sandals, he's actually referring to this comment in the Gemara that um, a deformity in your hands is paralleled by a deformity in your feet. I, either way, you can't go up. You can't bless the people. And the Barth explains, If he's got blemishes on his feet, people will look at him. And through this, they'll come to look at his hands. So you can see why it's even worse, by the way. The Bartonura is talking about a blemish on your feet, but you can see why it's even more unacceptable from the point of view of the Bartonura to have something unusual on your hands, either what blue or red or some kind of deformity. Because they're going to have, look at his hands. Um, kashonisim kapehem And someone who looks at the Kohanim, when they raise their hands, their eyes will become dim. Mm -hmm. Really interesting idea. And we, we touch on this perhaps in last week's Parsha, that Isaac's eyes became dim. And there is an idea that when he was lying on his back on the altar, ready to be sacrificed his eyes saw the angels in the divine presence and this is what made his eyes go dim really interesting idea that if you see the divine presence your eyes just can't take it and how does, does this apply to priests who come to bless us in shul well the bartonor explains shura bain yidehem, because the shchina. Dwells or rests between their hands, i.e., when when the priests are blessing the people, the shchinai is dwelling between their hands. So, looking at their hands, it's like looking on the divine presence, and we can't do that. It's an idea quoted in the Gemara in Chagiga. We'll come. We'll come to it maybe when we learn Chagiga. So, it's a serious. It's a serious issue we can't look at the kohanim when we we can't look at their hands when they're blessing us and we can't have anything on their hands that would make the kehila look at them let's go on we're still by the way in the question of color and we've learned that the mishnah seems to drift from subject to subject, but in a chain. So very often it uses connections to get from one subject to another. So we're gonna stay on the question of color. We're going to move to another topic. We said that the Tehillah, it's very common in Tehillah, you'll see it in Ashray. we're saying in English, at any rate, um, the Psalm Esa'enai, Psalm 121. And you'll see this very clearly in Psalm 121, that, that each verse, is joined to the previous verse to the the beginning of each verse is joined to the end of the previous verse by a linguistic connection, and then the the verse it breaks in the middle, and then the end of the verse is joined to the next one by a different connection. So you'll see it in the Tila Esai and we've been talking about color with hands. So now we're going to talk about color with people. Ha Omer Eini tiva Lifnei fu in. Af Someone who says, "I won't pass before the ark," that means I won't be a shaliat zibur. In coloured clothes, may not be a shaliat zibur, may not pass before it, even in whites. I.e., there's something slightly odd about this person, and it seems to be, seems to be, seems to be a sign of heresy. We're not quite sure why, or a sign of sectarianism. If he says, I won't pass before it in shoes. If barefoot, he may not pass. Again, there's something slightly odd about this person. Someone who makes his to fill in round. We're talking about the head to fill in now. It's dangerous. And the bar mitzvah. It's dangerous and it fulfills no mitzvah. And We have a tradition. There are two issues here. One is we have a tradition from Moshe on Sinai that to fill in a square. So already, if we're going to make them round, there's a. There's a question about observance of the oral Torah, and we'll come to that in a sec later in the Mishnah, but it's round because if you're hit, if something hits you on the head. With a, um, a flat tefillah, well, the tefillah will just collapse, but a round tefillah might perhaps hold its shape and then bash you in the forehead. That seems to be, seems to be what the Mishnah is getting out, that if you hit yourself with a round tefillah, you could injure yourself in a way that you would not injure yourself with a square tefillah. If he put him on his forehead or on the palm of his hand, this is heresy now we're really getting on to now we're really getting on to issues about verbal and written torah because of course the the written torah says they'll be uh for totafot between your eyes so that sounds like it's right but right on your forehead now the Oral tradition we have is, we don't put them on the forehead, we put them on the hairline. But the oral tradition is in contradiction to the written text. And similarly, the written text says, (inaudible) you shall tie them as a sign on your hand. So the text, the written text says that we write, we tie them on our hand, and we put them between our eyes. But the oral tradition is, that we put them on the hairline and we tie them on the upper arm, not on the hand. So someone who puts them on his forehead, on his hand, he's someone who doesn't believe in the oral tradition. He's like a karite He's like someone who only keeps the written Torah and not the verbal Torah. And that is why it's derech haminut, it's heresy. Let's go on. Tzipen Zahav, he he coated them. with we gold. well, we know that's unacceptable. Again, we have a a, a tradition that tefillin are black. <speaking in Hebrew> he put them on his sleeve. Again, we have a verbal tradition that the tefillin have to be on your arm. The sleeve's over the tefillin. The tefillin isn't over the sleeve. <speaking in Hebrew> that's the manner of outsiders. What sort of outsider are we talking about here? Well, the Rambam explains. They've departed from the Torah completely. They don't believe either in the written Torah or in the verbal Torah or in the oral Torah. They're they're completely out of it if he's putting gold on his to fill in or putting it outside on his sleeve what about someone who recites the tefillah strangely and this will be someone who's over someone who's a shalia he's leading the prayers may the good bless you so we're gonna in our verbal chain, right, we close the last Mishnah on Zoderechaminut and Harezoderechachitzonim. So now we're going to pick up this our whole idea again in terms of reciting the Shmonesrei, right, rather than in terms of how we how we do how we put on to fill Haomei haruzere Someone who says "May the good bless you." Behold, this is the way of heresy, because we have an idea that God creates good and bad, and we make a bracha uh, over good and over bad, or we make a bracha over bad and over good. We don't just, dis- we don't, we don't carve off just the good. So th- that that's why this is heresy. Al kens al kansi pur May your mercy reach the nest of a bird. Well, of course, there are specific mitzvot related to protecting birds' nests. We have to scare the mother bird away before we take the eggs. But again, we don't believe that God's mercy just relates to one kind of animal. So why would we say this? Ve'al tov yizacher shemecha. And may your name be mentioned for the good. Again, we seem to be emphasizing the good, but not the bad. Modim, modim. We, we, this is the reference to the, the, the bracha of Thanksgiving in Shmona. He seems to say modim twice. In any of these cases, we sh- they shut him up. They silence him. Someone who uses euphemisms about forbidden relationships. These are the forbidden relationships in the Parsh of Ahre-Mot. Meshad Kin The Torah actually describes them explicitly. Someone uncovering the nakedness of their father's wife or their mother. The Torah describes them explicitly. And even though they might be, you know, we might find them upsetting or disturbing, we don't gloss over them with euphemisms. Al-Omer and someone who said who who substitutes uh, instead of the verse in Vayikra, and you shall not give any of your seed to be passed to Molech, which again is a very very it's a very disturbing verse. Someone who replaces it with so you shouldn't give your seed to pass to an Aramean woman or Safara translates as a Gentile woman and Aramit can refer to anyone who is not Jewish. or Tor be They silence him with a rebuke. So this is not someone who's just use, using euphemisms while reading the Torah, but he's actually changing the Torah. We can't have that in Shul. We shut him up with a rebuke.